Are you looking for a church home or simply a weekly message that will revive your spirit? Each week, Pastor John Butler delivers applicable messages that will refuel your spiritual man and bring a new desire to your heart. Here's Pastor John Butler with this week's encouraging message. This morning we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm reading from the NIV. I believe it's on the screen. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible, you can follow along with us. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after, ha- after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be keeping on and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Before you're seated, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we come to this portion of the service now where we break the bread of life together. And God, we submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit now. We ask, Lord, that you would speak, that you'd speak through me today, your servant. I pray, God, that, I, that every word that I speak would be the word that, that you would have me to speak, that my words would be yours, that my thoughts would be yours. And I pray, God, that the message that I deliver will be your message and it be delivered with the same love and the same zeal that you would deliver it with if you were standing here among us today. May we receive your message today from the very throne of God. And Lord, may we take it, may we feed off of it, and may it grow and bear fruit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, law enforcement, police work, is consistently... Uh, among the top of the list of the most difficult jobs in the world. Not only is it dangerous, but it also calls for a good grasp of the laws of the jurisdiction in which you serve. It calls for a good handle on your own emotions. And it calls for, for a healthy dose of good common sense. On any given day, you might be called upon to deal with anything from a traffic stop to a domestic dispute to a violent criminal. It requires a wide range of physical and emotional and mental tools in order to manage the requirements of the day. But as well trained as they are, there are some situations that they encounter that they are not trained to handle. Situations that require a level of training and expertise that goes beyond even their extensive experience and preparation. When they get in a situation like that, when they're outgunned or outmanned, then they call the SWAT team. The Special Weapons and Tactics Team. And they come in. These men and women of these teams have endured rigorous and repetitive and highly specialized training to handle those situations that arise that are beyond the capabilities of your average police officer. Now, when these guys show up, when the SWAT team gets there, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done up to that point. These guys are in charge. When they roll up, they take control of the situation. They're calling the shots. They know what to do. They know how to do it, and they, they are equipped to get the job done. 
Now, every day in our lives, each of us is called upon to handle a wide variety of situations in our lives. I, I don't think I understood when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I know I didn't understand when I was a kid how complex it is sometimes to be an adult. Y'all remember those days when it seemed like everything was so easy? It just, you get paid every week. You just pay some bills. You go do what you want to do. You tell the kids what to do. Seems like a pretty easy thing to do. But the more you try to face the situations of life that you have to face as an adult, the more you realize how complex it can be to face these things. Now, the older and the more experienced we are at it, then the more likely we are to have the tools to deal with some of life's toughest challenges. Just think about the things you've dealt with in the last two months. Some of the things that, some of the situations that you've had to handle in the last two months, if it had happened when you were 20 years old, you'd have just died right on the spot, right? Just, just curl up, crawl and hide somewhere. The more, the older you get, the more experience you gain, then the easier it is for you to learn to handle some of life's touch, toughest challenges. But there comes a time in everybody's life when we face things, no matter how experienced we are, there comes a time when we face things that are beyond our experience, beyond our ability to handle on our own. We've done all we know how to do, and the situation hasn't changed. We've talked to every wise person we can think of, and we've, we've followed their advice, and it doesn't seem to help. It might be that we have a habit that we've tried to break and just cannot break that habit. It might be a thought pattern that that we live in that is detrimental to us or to our family. It might be an emotion that's just out of control. It might be a loved one who's making decisions uh, that are seem to be the all the wrong decisions. It might be the pain of past trauma that you've experienced or the walls that you've built to try to handle uh, those experiences. There are any number of things that we face in our everyday lives, that at some point we just want to throw up our hands and say, you know what, I guess I'm just going to have to learn to live with it. I have tried to make it go away. I don't know how to make it go away. It's not a lack of effort. It's not a lack of trying. It's not a lack of bravery. It's just the fact of the matter is sometimes we have to admit that we can't handle what's right in front of us the same way we've handled all the other stuff. Some things are just different. Some things require a different set of skills. Some things require different weapons. Now, in the real world of our lives, you can't call the SWAT team. There is no SWAT team that's just going to come in and handle your mess. There is no cavalry that's going to ride in and save the day. There is there's no knight in shining armor who's going to come in and rescue you. But the good news is you can learn to fight your own battles. You can learn the skills and the weapons that will bring you the victory in the toughest situations of life. Because sometimes we face things that are not of this world. Sometimes we face situations that can't be dealt with in our own earthly wisdom. Look, if you could have figured it out, you'd have already figured it out, wouldn't you? If you could have solved it, your problems would be over. Sometimes we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. And the only way to fight a spiritual opponent is with spiritual weapons. So today I want to enlist you in, a, in training to be a SWAT team member. But in our case, this is not special weapons and tactics. This is spiritual weapons and tactics. Let me see this graphic. This is what I sent out on, on the Facebook page this week to advertise this message coming. Now I want you to look at these guys. These are cops. 
Do these look like the people that came up to your window when they caught you driving too fast last week? You know you drive too fast. And when they come up to your window, is this what they look like? No. They don't come up looking like that. These guys look more like soldiers going into battle. These guys are, are, are prepared a little differently. These aren't just regular cops responding to a call. Th- these guys are the SWAT guys, and they know that when they show up, then the situ- when they've been called, the situation is out of control. They know it's escalated beyond the ability of an average police officer to handle. So they, can, they know they better come out prepared for anything. So they have their armor on. They have the body armor on because they don't know what they're going to face when they get out of the truck. As a matter of fact, if they get there and they don't have their armor on, they don't get out of the truck. You stay in the truck until you get your armor on. Why? Because they, they, if they get out without their armor, they know they're no better protected than the people who called them in in the first place. Nobody, every, every police officer, whether they're SWAT team or just an everyday street cop, their goal is to make it home every day at the end of their shift. Nobody ever wished they had less protection. No cop ever said, oh, this looks dangerous. I'm taking some of this off. Nobody ever, they might wish it weighed less. They might wish it was less cumbersome. But nobody, no cop ever entered a firefight wishing they had less protection. They want to make sure they are completely covered because they have no problem in the, with the protection that it brings. Look, when you show up on the scene of spiritual warfare in your life, when you come to the realization that there's something going on beyond your control, beyond the normal, the normal ebb and flow of life, then the first thing you better do is put your armor on. Just like these guys, you put your armor on. Remember, you've got to be strong in the Lord. You've got to be strong in His power. You put your armor on. Because if natural power and natural wisdom could have solved the problem, it would already be solved. Spiritual warfare requires that you be covered in spiritual armor. And fortunately for us, God provides the complete set. You can get the whole deal from Him at no additional charge. It is a beautiful thing. When you get saved, when you give your life to the Lord, you get access to the full armor of God. And that's what we talked about last week. If you weren't here last week, then go back to our website and listen to it. You can download it for free and listen to it uh, all day and twice on Sunday. Now, we have got to, we've got to understand that the first thing we're going to do as SWAT team members when you're facing a spiritual battle is to get on your spiritual armor. Now, but, but it's not that armor that sets the SWAT team apart because you can give that same armor to the average beat cop and it's not going to equip them any better to face the situation that they're facing. What makes the difference in the SWAT team and the regular guys is that there, there is a certain set of skills. There's a tactical knowledge and an ability to use specialized weapons that these guys have that the other guys don't. And sometimes there are situations that we face in life where we better learn to use the weapons and the tactics that God gives us in order to face the situation. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. This is what Paul said, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons that we need in this world are not the same kind of weapons that everybody else fights with. If we're going to face spiritual opponents, we've got to learn to fight with spiritual weapons and with spiritual tactics. So the first thing you need to do if you're going to be a member of the SWAT team, if you're going to have spiritual weapons and tactics, is you need to put on your armor and then you need to learn how to use your weapons. So what are those weapons this morning? And we just talked about that in Ephesians chapter 17. That's the first one that Paul mentions. Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul says, take it. Take it. That is an action verb. You have to, it requires effort. You have to take the Word of God. Now take it and do what with it? Take it and hold it? No, take it and carry it around so you look like a good Christian. Take it and put it in the back in the back window of your car so that when people walk by you at Walmart, they go, oh, look, it's a good Christian car. <laughs> Cars can't be Christians. Okay? So when you take it, you've got to do something with it. What are you going to do with it? You take it in. You take it into your heart. You take it into your mind. It requires action on our part. We have to learn the Word of God before we can take it. We have to learn it before we can take it. And we have to hear it or we have to read it before we can learn it. We have to make time. We have to make time in our busy schedules to to read and learn the Word of God. We have to make time. I don't know about you, but I have never been going through my day and suddenly realized that I've just got an extra hour, that I have nothing else to do. And that I just look beside me and there just happens to be my Bible laying there. And I'm just like... Cool. I'm just going to read the Word for an hour because I have nothing else to do. Does, any, does that happen to anybody? Ever? Never? Uh, no. You have, to, you have to schedule time. You have to make time to read the Word of God. Now, maybe you don't have an hour a day. That's fine. Some days I don't have an hour a day. Do you have five minutes? There are lots and lots of devotions that you can get emailed directly to your inbox. Or there are books that you can, devotional books you can read. Now you can read them in three minutes. See, we have, in, in the church, we have done, we have, we have shamed and guilted people for so many years that if they can't read their Bible for an hour and a half a day and they can't pray for three hours and they're just not going to get it. And so we've set the standard so impossibly high that people just give up and go, I just never, I just can't do that. And so they just don't try. Let me tell you, there is no amount of prayer that's too little. Except none. If you can pray for two minutes, pray. If you can read your Bible for five minutes, read it. If you can read a devotion that has one little scripture at the top, read it. If you've got, if you've got ten minutes, read a chapter in Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So a lot of people like to coordinate that uh, with the days of the month. So they can, they'll read a chapter in Proverbs according to whatever day it is. So today you'd read Proverbs chapter 21. Take five minutes, ten minutes, and read it. Do you have a few minutes at the end of your lunch break before you have to clock in? Then, then grab a scripture and read a scripture. Do you have a few minutes at night before you go to sleep that you could read a scripture or two and allow your spirit to feast on that and to think about that and to process that while you sleep? That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you know the last thing that you put into your mind before you go to sleep is what, you, is what your spirit is just going to work on all night. That's, that's why you, you dream some of that crazy stuff. 
Because you watch crazy stuff on TV and then you go to sleep and you wake up and put folks chasing you and stuff and trying to beat you with sticks and all kind of crazy mess going on. If you will, the last thing you put into your brain before you go to sleep is the Word of God, then your spirit can feast on that during the night. When the Bible talks about deep, calls out to deep, that's one of those things that you're, the, deep in the depths of your, of your subconscious can call out to God in the middle of the night. You ever, you ever wake up and you realize you've been thinking about Scripture, you, that God's been speaking to you? You cannot for the life of you remember what it was. But, but you, re, you know that you were having something spiritual was going on. You and God were talking about something. You were dreaming something. He was, he was imparting something into you. Miss Connie told me, I had a conversation with her a couple months ago, and she said, you know what? When that happens, I just figure that God wasn't trying to talk to my mind. He was trying to talk to my spirit. He was just telling me something that I needed to know in my spirit. And I'm just like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. If we'll learn to put the Word of God in, then, then we can let the Holy Spirit do what He does best. Now, you've got to, but you've got to find a way to get the Word in you. Whether it's, whether it's a preacher or a teacher that brings the real, whole, authentic truth of God, or whatever it is, get it in you any way you can. The problem is that most of us don't get serious about the Word until we realize we're in trouble. I mean, when is the last time we cracked open the Bible without going, uh-oh, first? I mean, we realize we're in trouble. We go, uh-oh, where's my Bible? We've got to make sure that we are not only opening the Bible when we're in trouble. That we don't show up at church only when we realize everything else has gone haywire. We've got to start taking the sword of the Spirit. But the, when, when, when we're in trouble and we reach for the sword of the Spirit, that's fine. That's good. But you're wasting valuable time. Because while you're trying to figure out how to unsheath the thing, you could have already been using it in the battle. Now, how, how upset would you be if you were in a hostage situation? If you were the hostage and the SWAT team shows up and they get out of the truck and they're standing in small groups of three or four going, how do you load this thing? How, how does this work again? What, what do I do with this? I've never seen this before. If I'm the one with the gun to my head, I'm going to be a little upset. I'm not going to want to pay my city taxes. Right? I needed a SWAT team that was prepared when they show up. The problem is, we realize we're in trouble, and then we start trying to figure out how to use it. We go, oh, oh, okay, where's that scripture? I know there's a scripture in here in the book of hesitations. We've got to find that in there. <laughs> you have got to do what the, what the police officers do. I wonder what would happen if everyone who calls themselves Christians had to qualify with the Word of God the way police officers have to qualify with their weapons every year. <laughs> like every year you have to qualify. You go, oh, I forgot some stuff. i got to go back and get it. The last time they used their weapons when they showed up, the SWAT team showed up, was not the last time they had an incident. They used it yesterday on the range. They used, it, they used it the day before. They used it the day before. They know what they're doing because they use them over and over again. So how do you use the Word in battle? How do you use the Word in spiritual battle? Well, first of all, you use it to build your faith. Remember last week we talked about that your faith is predicated on your understanding of spiritual authority. The more you understand, the more you learn the Word, the more your faith grows. And the more you understand about the Word. Look at what Romans said in chapter, Paul said in Romans chapter 10. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You have got to hear more of the Word. The more of the Word that you hear, the more your faith grows. And the more you'll be able to understand the rules of engagement. 
What do you mean by the rules of engagement? Look, the enemy has rules that he has to follow. He can't just do anything he wants. Read Job chapter 1. He has to get permission to, to mess with the lives of Christians. Sometimes he gets permission from God in, in very limited areas, and sometimes we give him permission unknowingly. But there are rules of engagement. There are some areas of our lives that are off limits to the enemy, and they have no legal right to be messing with us unless we gave them that right. So if you're having trouble in your finances, what you can do, if you're being obedient to the Lord and bringing your tithe and giving in the offering, then you can stand on that word in Malachi that says God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You can stand on the scripture in Philippians that says my God will supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. If you're having trouble with your body, then you can stand on the scripture in Isaiah chapter 53 and in 1 Peter that says by His stripes we were healed. If you're having trouble with a spirit of fear, then you can stand on the word in 2 Timothy that said He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us power and love and a sound mind. You see how that works? There are scriptures that, that uh, pertain to the areas, to the battles that we're fighting. Once we learn the Scripture, then we can learn to use that Scripture as a sword. We speak that word out loud. You don't just read it and think it. You've got to speak it out loud. I know you thought, I've lost my mind. You just walk around talking, talking to yourself. No, you, you're not talking to yourself. You're using the Word of God as a sword, using it as a weapon. Have you ever read Genesis chapter 1? How did all of this get here? And God said, and God said, and God said, there is power in the Word of God when it is spoken. And so you speak the Word into the situations of your life. You find that Scripture and you stand on it. You confess it out loud. You can do it in the car if you want to so nobody knows. Everybody just think you're singing along with the radio. You know, go in the bathroom stall do, when you're by yourself. Whatever you got to do, but find a place for you to speak that word into existence because it does battle on your behalf. When you speak the word, it is a sword. It is a sword that fights your spiritual battles for you. The enemy can't resist it. He can't come against the word of God. He has to still submit to the word and the authority of God. So you encourage yourself in the Lord with the word of God. It's spiritual nourishment. It gives you the strength to fight. So fill up on the, nur- on the nutrients of the Word and get in the fight. Now, verse 18 in, in Ephesians 6 gives us the second of our weapons. It says, and praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. There are some who say, well, this is a, a whole separate conversation. No, it's not. Verse 10, it started out talking about the whole armor of God. It goes through the whole deal. It says we're in a battle. It's not against flesh and blood, so it's spiritual. You've got to figure out how to fight spiritually. Here's your armor. Put that on. Here's your weapons, which is take the sword of the Spirit. And then verse 18 says, and, that's a conjunction. It combines the two thoughts. It says, and praying in the Spirit on all occasions. Praying in the Spirit is one of the most powerful and most underused spiritual weapons. Now, we all know we are supposed to be praying. But if you're like me, when you get hit in the face, you know I mean, just pop right in the eye with some sort of spiritual battle, it seems like the last thing you think of is to pray. You're staggering around trying to figure out what to do. You do everything you know how to do. And then suddenly, it dawns on you, well, hey, genius, why don't you stop and pray? You ever seen those bumper stickers that says, when all else fails, pray. Do y'all not drive? Y'all don't see bumper stickers? 
When all else, you shouldn't read every bumper sticker, but when all else fails, pray. And, and I just wonder why we got to wait until all else has failed. Why? Is that the rules? Do we have to wait till all else fails before we pray? Or, or could we make a bumper sticker that says, uh, before all else fails, pray. Or maybe we do one that says, before you try anything else, pray. Prayer works, but it only works when you do it. <laughs> Thinking about praying does not help. Worrying in Jesus' name. Y'all have done that too, I see. Worrying in Jesus' name is not the same thing. Look, he says, Paul says, he doesn't just say pray. He says pray in the Spirit. It's a specific kind of prayer. It's a specific kind of thing that needs to be done. Because look, at any given moment, there are tens of millions of prayers going into the, into the ears of the Father at any one moment. Think about that. I mean, you think you're the only one praying. But if you step back and look around, you're like, oh my goodness, I know well, these people are praying, those people are praying. God has the ability to hear and receive all of that and answer each of us accordingly. But let me tell you something. Not every one of those prayers that are going up are accomplishing anything for the kingdom. Not all of them are making any progress in spiritual warfare. The Scripture says to pray in the Spirit. Now, scripturally, praying in the Spirit means one of three distinct kinds of prayers. First of all, it means that you pray with such passion with such abandon that you empty yourself of any sort of personal bias and you begin to want what God wants in that situation. Most of the time, we come to God with a list of things we need Him to do. Do we not? We come and I, I mean, it's like a honeydew list. I'm like, oh, hey God, good morning. This is John over uh, in Saddle Ridge and, and uh, I've got some things I need you to take care of for me if you don't mind. So if you could get this and that and uh, th this member has lost their mind. I don't know what's wrong with them. You need to fix them because I don't know how to do that. And, um, and, all, and we just give him all our list. And, was, and if you could do that by uh, lunch, that'd be great because I got other stuff that needs to be done. So if you can get busy, that'll be cool. I'll see you after lunch. Is that not really the way we generally pray? We come to Him and we not only have our problems, but we got a suggested solution that we think would be great. Am I the only one that prays like this? I'm the only sorry heathen in the bunch. I, your halo is blinding me this morning. We come to God like that, expecting Him to hear us and then to just jump to it. Romans 8 talks about allowing the Spirit to pray through us when we don't know how to pray. When we're in spiritual warfare, there will be times when we just don't know what to do. And we don't know how to pray. Some of you may be there this morning. If you are, then you are in perfect position to do some serious damage against the kingdom of darkness that's attacking your life. Here's what you do. You simply admit to the Lord that you don't know what to do and you need His help. He has been waiting on that because He already knew you didn't know what to do. He already knew you needed some help. It does not take a genius to look at a drowning person and realize, eh, I probably need some help. But God is not going to come and insert Himself in your life until you ask Him. When you finally say, hey God, I'm over my head and I can't swim, I need some help, then He is so glad to hear that. Because that kind of honesty is what God's looking for. Paul speaks in this same passage of Scripture. He speaks of groaning in this kind of prayer. That's our deepest feelings, our deepest emotions being expressed to Him. Can I tell you, it is okay to be passionate in prayer time with God. 
It is okay to tell him how you feel. It is okay to tell him exactly what's on your mind. Paul, uh, Paul tells us about that in, in Romans chapter 8. God loves it when we do that. Because when we honestly admit to him that we don't know how to pray, then that means we've stopped using prayer to try to manipulate God into accomplishing our will and we start using prayer as a vehicle for finding and fulfilling God's plan for our life. Most of the time we use prayer to try to manipulate God into doing things our way. When we really pray in the Spirit, what that means is we finally put our will in neutral. And we come to Him and we honestly say, God, here is the problem. I do not know the solution. I can see there are a couple of different ways to go, but I don't know which one's best. You've got to show me. When you can pray with your will in neutral, then that's a prayer that God can answer. That's a decision that you need to be listening for because He'll help you to to know what to do. But you've got to get yourself in neutral before you hear. You ever heard people say, uh, you know, a pastor will be called and they invite him to come and be the pastor. He's like, well, let me pray about it while my wife packs. That's the way a lot of us do, right? We we already know which way we're going to go. We just do God the courtesy of mentioning it to him. And he would have to hit us over the head with a two by four to change our minds. When we pray in the spirit, we get our, our, our will in neutral and hear what God has to say about it. So when, when we do that, we get his will and God's plan in our lives. And his plan always involves victory over our spiritual enemies. So praying honestly and openly before God is one way to pray in the spirit. There's a second way to pray, and that is to pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. Now, that, this combines the weapon of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. And when you pray the Scriptures, you insert yourself and your needs and your situations into what you already know to be the will of God. We know what the, the, the will of God is found in this book. So if we can learn to align ourselves with what God already says about it, then we know that is a, a prayer that God's going to answer. Now, let me show you how this is done. You may just be, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28. So you just read in your scripture. You just, you just read and you're doing your deal. And you read this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. This is how you pray the scripture. You're like, God, search me and see if there's anything in me that I'm not following all your commands. God, is there, is there an area of my life that I'm not being obedient in because I want to follow you? And so when he gives you, I don't know if he does you the way he does me, he gives you that laundry list of things you need to fix. Then you repent of all those things. You, you determine in your heart that you're going to fix those things. And then you can keep going and say, Lord, I pray that you would help me, set me on high above all the nations so that I can bring glory to you. Put me in the place you want me to be so that I can see your kingdom come for your honor and for your glory and not for mine. Look at verse 2. So you keep reading. And you read all the blessings that come upon you uh, if you obey the Lord. Again, you're just making sure your obedience is there. Then it says you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. If you've already repented, you've aligned your will with God's will, then you can say, Lord, I thank you that I am blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Now you're praying the Scriptures. Let's look at the next verse, uh, verse 4. 
The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land, your livestock, all that stuff. She said, Lord, thank you that you have blessed my children. Thank you that you're a hedge of protection around my kids. Thank you that you're going to protect my home. Thank you that the crops of my land, my income, my job is being protected. That you're giving me favor with those uh, with my clients. You're giving me favor with those that I serve so that I can make a good income and provide for my family. Thank you that you're protecting my source of income. You see how that works? You're praying the Scriptures. If you do what it says. Now, most of the promises of God all come with an if before you get to the then. Most of us like to skip straight to the then. We've got to get the if first, make sure we qualify. Most of the time, that means we have to be obedient in some area. Okay? So we get the if, we get the then. It's a beautiful thing. Let's look at Psalm chapter 23. Maybe you're having a particularly difficult season in your life. And you go to Psalm 23 and you see the Lord, you, you, you read this and you say, Lord, thank you that you are my shepherd and I will never be in want. God, you take care of me like a shepherd takes care of sheep. You give me everything I need. And I thank you that you are my shepherd. Even in the midst of this difficult situation, you're going to show me where to go. You're going to keep me hand in. You're going to keep me protected. Look at verse 2. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You say, God, I am in such a stressful place. It seems like everybody's yelling at me. It seems like everything's swirling around. I don't know what to do, who to listen to. Thank you that you give me a place of peace in your presence that I can just lay down and be quiet and hear you speak to me. You see how that works? Everybody okay? (laughs) There's one last scripture. Let's look at Psalm 121. This is praying in the Spirit. Because the Spirit... Who inspired this Word to be written? God, through the Holy Spirit. This is praying in the Spirit. Psalm 121. God, I'm lifting up my eyes to You, to the hills where my help comes from. I know that my help comes from You. And Lord, in case you hadn't noticed, I need some help right now. Look at verse 2. My help comes from you. Lord, you've made heaven and earth, and I know if you made all of that, then you can make me a solution for my situation right here. Lord, help me to shut up long enough to hear what you're telling me is my solution. Look at verse 3. Just for giggles and ahas. Lord, you know that my foot is not going to slip because you watch over me. You never go to sleep. You're always going to keep an eye on me. You're always going to protect me. You're always going to watch over me so that I don't make a stupid mistake. God, I don't want to make a mistake. I want to follow your plan. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. Praying in the Spirit. Because you're praying the Word of God. If He says, if the Scripture says you can have it, then you can have it. If you qualify, if you, if you get the if, then you get the then. If He says you can have it, you can have it. So stand on it. Pray according to that Word and expect to see that Word come to pass in your life. Praying the Scriptures is another way to pray in the Spirit. And it's a powerful weapon against the enemy in our lives. Now there's a third way that Scripture describes as praying in the Spirit. And that's praying in tongues. Communicating to God in a language unknown to yourself. It's a gift of the Spirit and Paul speaks of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. If I can see this next Scripture. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, trying to help them understand how to get these things in order. And he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Why is his mind unfruitful? Because he doesn't understand the language he's speaking. So what's he going to do about it? Verse 15 says, So what do I do? I'm going to pray with my spirit, and I'm going to pray with my mind. So I'm going to pray in whatever my native language is. I'm also going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm praying in a language that I don't understand. 
Now, a lot of people call this a prayer language, and there's a lot to this, and the purpose of this message is not to unpack this whole deal. We don't have time to do all of that today. There will come a day. But I'm just saying today, suffice it to say that when you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, then there is no way to get a prayer that's more likely to be answered by God the Father than that. Because the Holy Spirit searches the mind of God, it says. The Scripture says. He searches the mind of God and He knows us better than we know ourselves. So we get ourselves in a battle. We get ourselves in a situation and we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. He knows what the problem is. He knows what God's will is towards that. So when we allow the Spirit to pray, then He connects our problem to God's solution and everything gets taken care of better than we could ever have done it ourselves. So you might be thinking, so how do, I get, how do I do that? How do I have that ability to do that? Ask your father. Ask your father. He's a good father. Good fathers give good things to their children. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift of God. So ask Him for it and allow Him to work in you and through you. Now, when you're facing a spiritual battle, let me encourage you to, to hit your face And begin to allow the Holy Spirit to intercede through you. And see if the tide of that battle doesn't swing in your favor. Whether it's by surrendering your will to God in prayer. Whether it's praying the the Scriptures. Or whether it's praying in your prayer language. When you consistently pray in the Spirit about the battles that you're facing. Then you will see the walls fall in your life. You'll see strongholds destroyed. You'll see foul spirits flee from you. You'll see the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in your life. That's why praying in the Spirit is such a lethal part of our spiritual arsenal. When the SWAT team shows up, they're wearing their armor and they are using their weapons. Now this morning we've talked about only two of those weapons. There's another one that I want to talk about next week. But today we've talked about the Word of God and we've talked about praying in the Spirit. Next week I want to talk about one more weapon and then we'll look back at 2 Corinthians 10 and we'll look at the tactics that we can use so that we can see victory in all of our spiritual battles. Look, I was truly hoping to finish this morning to put a period on the end of this sentence. But I would really rather slow down and do it right than just get it done. I've been in church a long time. And I've heard preachers preach, Lord, a gazillion messages. And one of the common themes that I hear from people and that I've heard it from my own life is, yeah, I know that we're supposed to do it, but how are you supposed to do it? And so I wanted to take the time this morning to show you how do you do what we're supposed to do? How do we do this spiritual warfare stuff how do i pray the scriptures how do i pray in the spirit how do i stand on the word of god and use it as a weapon in spiritual warfare so that's why we took a little extra time i want to give you the tools to do it and and here's why because when you face a spiritual battle you don't always get the three-day warning sometimes it comes on you in the middle of the night and you realize man i'm in a fight for my life and you can't call somebody You can't always get to somebody to do your fighting for you. You've got to learn to stand on your own. Let's look at verse 13 that we read at the beginning of of the message. Ephesians 6 and 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything, stand. When the day of evil comes. Look. Everybody's going to have that day. 
If you live long enough after you get saved, everybody will have that time when you realize you are under spiritual attack. And you need to know what to do. Paul says, put on the whole armor, take the weapons, do everything you... I'm going to teach you how to do everything you need to do so that when that day comes, you'll be able to stand and hold your ground. I just happen to believe that we have given too much back to the enemy. We've given too much back to the enemy. God has blessed us with so much and we've, we've stood idly by and allowed the enemy to come in and steal so much from us. I just believe that we need to learn how to be equipped to take it back and to possess what God's given us. Why don't you stand with me? The fact of the matter is that all, the day is coming for all of us. There will be that time of spiritual warfare. And if you live long enough, there'll be more than one. My question to you this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready to face it? Are you equipped? Are you prepared? Do you have your armor on? Are you making good choices? Or do you have righteousness wrapped around you? Like, tr- like a, a breastplate to protect you? Do you have truth on as the foundation for everything, every choice you make? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can learn to pray the Scriptures, learn to pray in the Spirit, learn to pray with reckless abandon and be completely honest with God? Whatever your need is in your preparation, I invite you to come this morning and begin to pour yourself out to the Lord. Either begin to pray today, pray the Spirit, pray the Scriptures, pray in the Spirit, and begin to do warfare for yourself. Or come and ask God to help you get prepared. But the altars are open this morning. And I invite you to come and to begin your preparation or to begin the attacks on the enemy that are, that are coming against you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor John Butler at Covenant Life Church in Bremen, Georgia. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.covenantlifebremen.org. We look forward to meeting you soon.